Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back. Another episode of Inside Atlanta Football. I'm Matt Daniels, the sports editor of the News Gazette. Beat writer, extraordinaire, man of many talents and many beats here at the News Gazette. Uh, Scott Ritchie, across the table from me. It's episode 38 of Inside Atlanta Football. Uh, we took last week off because the Illinois football team was off. And I guess you could make the joke they were off the week before because they lost their last game. Lost twenty four nothing to Wisconsin. What's happened since then, Scott? Nothing. It's been pretty. It's been a pretty slow week for Brett pretty Mueller's quiet <laughs> on the Illinois football front. You know, yeah. No viral videos or anything about post press conferences on Monday with the coach questioning. I never. I didn't think. I mean, you you're never quite sure what to expect in journalism or in sports at all. But I don't think. I had this on my mind when we were going to make plans for this week's podcast, Scott, that we'd be talking about the backup offensive line depth for the Illinois football team, but that's where we are. I mean, it's clearly on Brett Bielma's mind. Um, And, you know, what he did Monday was... First off, as you were sitting there at Memorial Stadium listening to him speak and hearing him say this, did you think at that moment... Oh boy, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> the phrase that went through my head. It's like, is every new coach at a f- football team? I mean, it doesn't matter. This what, is not. Doesn't matter this what is level. not like a problem that's all of itself just to Illinois. Yeah, I mean, every new coach thinks what Brett Bielma said on Monday. <laughs> yeah, I need to get my guys in. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you know, they just usually don't say the quiet part out loud. Um. But he did, and it wasn't, I mean, it went very viral Mm -hmm. on social media, which is, you know, just the happiest place on earth. But most people saw what he said as a dig to his offensive linemen, his quarterbacks, throwing those guys under the bus, when in reality it was was an indictment of Lovey Smith and, you know, how the previous coaching staff recruited Um not well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lovey Smith's recruiting classes finished towards the, at or near the bottom of the Big Ten almost every single year. And just from an offensive line standpoint, if you look at the five offensive linemen Lovey Smith brought in ahead of the 2020 season, which was three freshmen and two transfers, one of them is still on the team now, you know, Blake Gerasati, and he's you know backup guard and backup center. The three freshmen all transferred, and so did Brevin Jones, who had transferred in from Mississippi State. Um, None of them wound up at a Power 5 program for a reason. Um, And the offensive line, I think, is on Brett Bielma's mind because he looks at his line now, and of the top seven guys, the seven that have played, essentially, this year, 
five of them are gone next season because there's what four fifth year guys and one sixth year guy like that's a lot of starts to replace so and the the cupboard is kind of bare I mean Julian Pearl will be back Alex Pilstrom's got some starts and he'll be back but he was started his career as a walk-on tight end I mean he's pretty new to this whole offensive line thing Julian Pearl started his career as a defensive a defensive end um, again, pretty new to college football offensive line play. Um, so yeah, I think Brett Bielma has been thinking about it a lot and he just decided Monday was the time where, I mean, he was asked about recruiting because mm-hmm. that's what he and his staff spent most of last week doing because they needed to, uh, well, what, what was the question that led to the response that then went you know, the, the response was not what I was anticipating. The question was essentially just what his approach as a head coach was to recruiting because he was very active last week. He mm-hmm. was out you know, early in the week with, with Bart Miller, his offensive line coach. Maybe should have been the the warning sign there, but he went back out at the end of the week and just, you know, both of his coordinators, Ryan Walters, Tony Peterson, you know, said that of the head coaches they've worked with, Brett Bielma takes a, a leading role on recruiting. So the question is about his – just his kind of you know, his theory on recruiting, what he feels like a head coach should do, and got to the point. Where, I think it started with he made an analogy to the Kentucky Derby, mm-hmm. where no one's betting on the jockeys, and in this scenario, he's the jockey, and the the team, his roster is the horse, I guess. Um, and the horse or horses, in his opinion, need to be a little better. In terms of criticism that has been levied at Brett Bielma in the subsequent days, uh, the past two days since his Monday afternoon press conference. There's two schools of thought to this. It's one, how dare a football coach kind of throw, you know, the players under the bus, previous staff under the bus. It's okay to say that privately in the coach's offices, but don't do that when you're up there at the lectern. And then there's another train of thought that says, well, and I'm kind of more on this thought, train of thought as well. You know, we always want coaches, especially us in the media, we want coaches to speak forthcoming and honest, and that's what Brett Bielma did, and he's getting crucified in some parts for his 90-second clip that's that's gone viral. Yeah, and a lot of the, the blue check marks that weighed <laughs> in on Twitter uh, are you know, sports media. Mm-hmm. Like, they're aghast at what he said. It was like, just was honest and mm-hmm. like you like you mentioned like you preferred that yeah. from everyone because mm-hmm. coaches oftentimes beat around the bush and they know how answer to spout their cliches real they well. answer questions by not answering questions mm-hmm. it's as simple as that it shouldn't be but it is Brett Bielma didn't do that and then now you know he's uh he's the villain of college football for the for the week. I'm sure that'll change as soon as something else. I mean, as soon as, you know, Tennessee fans <laughs> throw water bottles onto the field again. Yes. The, the Impressive catch change. by Lane Kiffin, too, by the way, coming off the field at Neyland Stadium. You know, I think it was catch it or get drilled in the head yeah. with the water bottle. Yeah. Uh, quarter million dollar fine for Tennessee for that. Drop in the bucket. Yeah. 
But uh, it's just it's, at least it's not as bad as that. At least that's what the the issues facing Illinois football right now is. At least the the fan behavior has not gotten to rioting like what happened in Knoxville last Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, if you take what Brett Bielma said in the full context of what Illinois football is, context like, that's not good, Scott. Yeah, people well, people don't want to have context. No, people just want to be mad online. Um, Context is like he's not wrong. Mm-hmm. This roster has real issues. Yes, and it's that's showing, why they're two and five. It's showing on the football <laughs> field, um, and it's not going to get any better. Saturday at Penn State, uh, and you talked to uh, a few players on on Tuesday: uh, Chase Brown, Doug Kramer. Full transparency to Illinois football handpicks the players that the media is going to talk to. This season, in the past, they used to do that, like on Mondays, where uh, the head coach and the coordinators would usually talk, and then they'd bring about six to seven kind of prominent players, you know, starting quarterback, running back, linebacker, things like that. Uh, and then on Tuesday, Wednesdays, you could request players. It's not a foreign concept. You could actually say, "Hey, I want to talk to this guy," and they'd be like, "They try to make every accommodation to do that." And this year, they're not doing that. It's a whole nother podcast i guess we could go on so you are basically you're having three or four players that ideally i mean each year they kind of serve as the spokesman of the team anyway but doug kramer chase brown didn't seem to really have a problem with what what brett bielema said on on monday afternoon no and i mean like a guy like doug he's got five games left in his career maybe six he's got five games left in his career hey scott i wrote in 2014 I don't know, I guess this is inside baseball. I wrote a story in 2014 when Kurt Kittner, a great former Illinois quarterback, decided he was stepping away from the Illinois radio booth. They had, Illinois had two games left that season. They were four and six. Uh, Penn State at home and at Northwestern. And I believe I wrote one sentence in my story about that that said basically Kittner is likely to call the final two games of his Illinois radio career against Penn State and Northwestern. Three days later, I got a phone call from the head coach <laughs> at <laughs> Illinois wondering why I thought he was only going to have two more games to call, and turns out I was wrong because they made a bowl game that year. Yeah, well, Doug was the one that said, <laughs> like, this is uh, as direct quote as I can get without actually looking at it, I have five games left to play at Illinois. So, okay, I guess maybe maybe six. Okay. He has five games left. <laughs> um, so, like, he... I, it, this doesn't affect him all that much, mm-hmm. but he very firmly said that like he's backs Brett Bielma one hundred percent and you know appreciates the honesty. And Chase Brown basically said the same thing and said that the reaction was overblown. I mean, I think Doug had the best line. It was just a little noise on a Monday mm-hmm. um, inside the program, at least from what the players are telling us publicly. Not a big deal. Yeah, and I think like they understand. They're two and five, and I've had trouble competing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's just you know, the outside world just took it and sprinted with it. Well, Scott, you've been on uh, a few podcasts and, and shows uh, out in Pennsylvania this week with uh, the Illini. Headed to play the number seven Nittany Lions on Saturday. Penn State at five and one, two and one in the Big Ten. Uh, did not play last Saturday, just like Illinois, after coming off a 23-20 loss to Iowa the, the following Saturday. Uh, 
should have probably mentioned the sooner, but you know, backup offensive line talk is what we really, you know, it became <laughs> the topic of the week. Uh, Jake Hansen, about an hour before we recorded this podcast, announced that uh, he is done playing football at Illinois. The six-year middle linebacker uh, had knee surgery earlier this week, uh, effectively ending his Illinois career. Uh, quite the, quite the career for for Hansen. Uh, one that. I think when we look back five to ten years from now, we will wistfully think what might have been if he had been able to stay healthy his entire time. Uh, miss what the twenty seventeen season with a torn ACL. He's been here a while. So. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> uh, actually, because he played as a true freshman, true, and missed the next season. Yes, with the actually season. was signed with Bill Cubitt, so that kind of shows you how long Jake Hansen has been in Champaign. Anyway, and then missed the final four games of the 2019 season with a back injury. Um, was fully healthy last season. Yeah. Uh, and then Well, he got knocked out of the Wisconsin game, which turned out to be okay, but initially it was like... That's right. Thought he that had, had to have been a terrible concussion. Exactly. It turned out okay. Uh, anyway, t- 276 tackles, career tackles he has, but the the main takeaway from him is the fact that he took the ball away so often. Uh, 12 forced fumbles, second in program history, uh, only behind Simeon Rice or Whitney Merciless. I can't remember. Because <laughs> he passed, he he passed one of them earlier this year. Um, one we'll, of those things. We'll, we'll do a dive later. Anyway, really good at forcing fumbles at Illinois. Um Sad to see his career end the the way it is uh, in his senior season. I know he had much higher expectations for for what his final team at Illinois could produce on the field. Left, uh, there was uncertainty if he'd come back this season because he put his name in for the NFL draft, then opted out of that and came back uh, for one final season. And he had some he had some moments earlier this year, uh, some forced fumbles, some some big sacks and things like that, but. Uh, Definitely. Um, when did he? When had, when's the last time he played too, Scott? I can't even remember. I feel like it's been like three months since they played Wisconsin. Um. So he didn't play. Did at he Purdue. Did, didn't play at Purdue. So the Maryland game, that Friday night Maryland sure. game, was likely his last game. Okay, we'll go back and double check that. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, the latest on on the the injury front for significant Illini and, and Jake Hansen. Back to my initial point uh, before we went down memory lane with with Jake Hansen. What's the are people in Penn, are people in State College concerned about the backup offensive lineman that Illinois has, or are they more concerned about their quarterback situation in Ohio State next Saturday than the Illini this Saturday? Probably those last two things. Okay, um, and for this week, the quarterback situation because Sean Clifford um, got hurt two weeks ago in the Iowa game. Like if he didn't they probably win against the Hawkeyes and yeah. so f- this week at least uh, two of the backups have been splitting the reps uh, Taquan Roberson who replaced Clifford at Iowa and then uh, true freshman Christian Velo I think is how you pronounce that he's Canadian uh, hey. so they have essentially just I think gone 50-50 with the reps this week Odds are one of the two will start. I, I doubt Sean Clifford mm-hmm. will be on the field against Illinois. Probably doesn't need to be on the field against Illinois. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I guess you know, trap game, like you, like you've mentioned, uh, Penn State has Ohio State coming, um, so maybe Illinois pulls the upset. Not that I will pick that okay. outcome. Well, what does Illinois, Scott? What do they have realistically have to do in order to? We've seen Illinois keep it close uh, against a top twenty-five team this year in Purdue. They weren't ranked in the top twenty-five at the time, but I don't think they're a top twenty-five team now. Fair enough, but they are. They're they're twenty-fifth in, in this week's AP top twenty-five poll. Even if you, Scott, as an AP top twenty-five voter, didn't vote for Jeff Brom and the Boilermakers, just making friends in West Lafayette for football now. <laughs> <laughs> Since they, they're always fond of me, during they, the they host the Purdue hosts Wisconsin this Saturday. Uh, if they're able to beat the Badgers, I think they prove they're a top twenty-five team. Yeah, I mean Wisconsin also not great, even though they started the year ranked. Um, I think that was just based on them being Wisconsin and like they should be better, mm-hmm. but they're they're not. Is it as simple as just the? I mean, there's so many issues with the Illinois offense right now, mainly who is the starting quarterback. I think all indications are it's going to be Art Sikowski, uh this Saturday against Penn State. I'm of the mindset, just put Isaiah Williams back there for 10 snaps and see what happens. He had a great game. Exactly. Against Penn State in December. Yeah. Um, what, 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 what does the Illinois need to do? I mean, I'm sure they're going to try to muck it up, control the clock, try to establish a run game. Well, I mean, that's where it, I would start, and then they just punted on that against Wisconsin. They, they looked at the Badgers' number one rushing defense in the country and was like, well, we can't do it, which I think is the defeatist attitude. Mm-hmm. But throwing every down for two straight drives to start the game was like, we don't think we can do what we do best, so we're going to try and do what we can't do, which is galaxy brain thinking. Um, <laughs> so I think have to run the ball. With Chase Brown and Josh McCray. Mm-hmm. That's what you do best. Also, to uh, announce what on Monday, Mike Epstein done for the season as well. Yeah, which well, didn't come as much, much of a shock. surprise. Uh, another guy that just can't Injuries. stay healthy. Yeah. Even worse you know, than Jake Hansen. But have to run the ball. And then... What what do they need to do in the passing game? Is it just as simple as the receivers need to create better separation? Or is it they Tony Peterson needs to just dial up a bunch of short intermediate throws that Art Sikowski can complete? Is it getting the ball to a quick hitter, a throw in the flat and try to get them in space a little bit more? Or is it to try to just, you know, hit on five or six deep balls and hope they hope they work out? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> some of all of that. I mean, with – I mean, because it's going to be Art Sikowski mm-hmm. most likely. And he's been more successful – in the shorter passing game. So I think that's probably where it will lean. And then, you know, he's hit you know, a couple big plays down the field, mostly to do span. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't been great balls, but they've worked. Uh, but I think you have to get the ball to Isaiah Williams mm-hmm. in space. I mean, that's the whole purpose of moving him to wide receiver is to do that. And Art has seemed more willing or capable of, of making those throws. I think, Isaiah Williams had a had 18 targets in one game earlier in the year, and that's when Art was the quarterback. So I think that has to happen. I mean, Illinois fans will say, get the ball to the tight end. Sure. I mean, it's just – I've said that for decades, and it just does not ever happen. Um, but there's a lot of moving pieces to the passing game. Like, the offensive line has to protect better. You know, Art didn't take sacks when he came in against Wisconsin, but he – 
was hurried frequently. Um, he stood in there and took some hits and threw the ball. But um, And the receivers have to – I mean, we talk about them needing to get separation, but like we're seven games in and they haven't shown an ability to get that consistently. So I don't know that it can happen. And, I mean, Penn State has some rather impressive – Defensive players in their secondary. I mean, Jaquan Brisker, their safety, is one of the best safeties in the country. Um, but there has to be some type of used to use Brett Bielma's one of his favorite phrases: complementary football between the passing game and the run game. Because you have to be able to do both. Mm-hmm. Big picture, and uh, I know what caught a lot of the attention on Monday was the offensive line talk, but Brett Bielman also did mention to the quarterback situation at Illinois and how Illinois hasn't developed their own quarterbacks because the top three quarterbacks on this team are all transfers in Art Sikowski, Brandon Peters, and Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. Okay, Northern Michigan transfer. Um, Donovan Leary committed to Illinois. He's a senior uh, in high school out in New Jersey. He's had some good games uh, this season for his his team, but I think it's preposterous to come in and think a true freshman can win the job right away next season. I guess big picture, Scott, what does Illinois have to do at the quarterback position to finally solve it? Because, I mean, you, if you think of Brett Beal and the coach teams, when you think of his success at Wisconsin, the quarterback position doesn't come to mind. You think of them and okay, Joel Stave and Again, I'm trying to struggle off the top of my head. Scott Tolzien, you know, kind of game manager type quarterbacks. That, that you know, they got a cup of coffee in the NFL, so it's not like they were just you know hand the ball off 40 times a game. Although they probably did do that too. <laughs> but what what what? If you're building an ideal type of quarterback model for Illinois to use in the Bielema era, and and whoever they need to find is is hugely vital to any future success this program wants to have, what what traits are you looking for? Well, it's 2021, so you got to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Like you just, I don't know that you can be just a ground-and-pound run mm-hmm. game solely. I know the, you know the Big Ten West in particular is like, well, I mean, Wisconsin can do that. Iowa's doing it. But, you know, if you look at Iowa, they're riding their defense. Their offense, not great. Mm-hmm. Spencer Petras is been pretty average Graham Mertz has been less than average again writing you know the defense if you want to be better than that I think you need a quarterback that can throw the ball I mean it's going to be a guy that's going to hand the ball off a mm-hmm. lot in a Brett Bielma on a Brett Bielma team but it's just I think it's someone that does kind of the combination mm-hmm. of Artskowski and Brandon Peters I mean from a physical standpoint, I think it's going to be that kind of guy, although but, Donovan Leary's not as big mm-hmm. as either of them, but someone that can stretch the field. Do you think do you think game. they do you think this offseason when the roster overhaul will again be significant? Huge. <laughs> significant for Illinois football. I feel there's going to be probably one or two a day for a two I, to I mean, three months. Look at there's 120 or not quite I think 119 players on the roster right now. Um Half okay might be back next year. Does Illinois go to the portal for a quarterback for next season, or do they build around Art Sikowski next year? Is he's the guy? We really like Ryan Johnson too. 
Donovan Leary, here's kind of your chance to watch and learn. I mean, whoever it is is going to be a bridge to Donovan Leary. Okay. But it's going to be another transfer. Because I don't think Art Sikowski's shown that, I mean, he has some characteristics that I think they want in terms of leadership and, mm-hmm. and the team rallying around him, which they do more than they do around Brandon Peters. Mm-hmm. But... Is this? I is mean, this, is this... leads the nation in almost interceptions. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like he's not afraid to throw the ball, and sometimes I get it would get him in trouble if the yeah. the defenses would would catch them. Is this next five game stretch for Illinois the final five games of the regular season? Is this almost just kind of? Do you think Tony Peterson and Brett Bielema have had conversations saying, "All right, this is our chance to see if." Art Sikowski is the guy, not only for the rest of this season, but for 2022-2023 at Illinois. I mean, I think it's his audition, mm-hmm. his continuing audition, but it's just from the way they talk about it, it's like if Brandon Peters is healthy, I feel like they put him back in, which is why. Yeah. Like, I mean, beyond his inefficiency, like I just don't think the team rallies around him. Mm-hmm. And that's for a 2-5 and five team. It might be two and six by Saturday. Like I think you need someone like that to just hold it together. I think that Art can maybe do that, but unless he he's, he's just got to show that he can make the throws mm-hmm. and hasn't done that yet. All right, what's your pick for Saturday's game, Scott? You've got you've already mentioned you got Penn State winning your six and zero oh on your predi- predictions this season. So uh, seven and zero. Oh. They played seven games. You're right. You're seven and zero. You're like Michigan State, seven and zero. Don't don't be like Iowa this week and stumble and stumble because um, you're in like the top five right now of beat writer picks. If that was a thing, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got. I've already done this for uh, newspaper in Pennsylvania. So uh, at forty two seventeen, Penn State. Wow, you think Illinois is going to score seventeen points? As I've thought about it, I feel like I've probably overestimated their <laughs> offensive prowess. Um, but maybe they get like a late touchdown. Okay. I've got uh, Penn State winning 35-7. Uh, I think... It's probably going to be closer. Uh, I think if Sean Clifford were playing... Again, if he does play, I think it increases it even more. But, I mean, if you look at it from Penn State's perspective, they're coming off a loss to Iowa. They've got a huge showdown against Ohio State next Saturday. They need to just – I'll be blunt. They need to run up the score on Illinois to potentially enhance any chances they have to make the college football playoff. I mean, they still those are still logical aspirations for the Nittany Lions even after they lost to Iowa because if they can run the table, they're in the Big Ten title game most likely, and then if they win that, they're in the likely in the college football playoff. So any chance to – put up a big number, big crooked number uh, against Illinois and, and not keep Illinois in the game. I think the, the Nittany Lions are going to gonna do that. And in a strange scheduling quirk, too, this is the second of three straight trips for Illinois to, we call it University Park or State College because I, I, I think it's in it's University Park, but it's in State College. But, but I feel U- like State College like surrounds University Park. That's I'm not true. sure how that works. University Park. That's I It's think, just like here where yeah. depending on – where you're at, you could be covering a game in Champaign or a game True. in Urbana. I just don't know when like University Park became a thing because it was always State College. Yeah. Just, anyway. uh, let's go like Happy Valley. Yeah, there, Happy Valley. They went last year. That was a 
scheduling quirk as well because they added that game late. Which Brett Bielma is actually at. It's been almost 10 months. That was his first encounter with the Illinois football team. He's one of the few human beings actually inside Beaver Stadium. Yeah. And it was it was a game in the first quarter. Then it wasn't. 21-20, like 21-21 <laughs> at the end of the first quarter, yeah. which is wild. And it was uh, 56-20 at the end of all four quarters. It yeah. was a wild and hectic day, thinking back on that, because Brett Bielma got announced at 8 a.m., mm-hmm. roughly 12 hours after every TV in Champaign-Urbana flipped off the MAC title game and Lance Leipold at Buffalo. <laughs> uh, moments in history we can't ever get back. Um, and then next year, they go back to Beaver Stadium as well, so... Three straight trips out to the Erector set in State College. So our veteran producer, Ed Bond, who has managed to stay awake throughout this entire podcast, based on our lively discussions, he'll be there on Saturday. And then he hops on the team plane and comes back to Champaign. You're going to see him at State Farm Center on Saturday night, where Scott Ritchie will be too, where fans are going to be at State Farm Center. See, we start, we talked... 99% of this podcast, doom and gloom. Basketball season is almost here, Scott. Saturday night, fire me up. Yeah, well, I mean, St. Francis. <laughs> of, of the, the Illinois St. Francis, the NIA, NAIA program. Out of um, Juliet. Yeah, I mean, there's not a line for this game because, boy, but, <laughs> uh, it would. Over, under on how many dunks Kofi has. I mean, what's the, how, how much is he actually going to play? I think it's True. a question. I'm going to um, say seven. Okay, I feel like I'm going to take the under just because he okay. might not. But like, if he gets the ball within five feet, like he'll just dunk on. All right, Scott. Game. When I see your tweet late Saturday night as you're frantically writing a gamer for Saturday Sunday's print edition, uh, before you write some more online at linehq.com, well into the late hours on Saturday night, and I see a tweet that not says, well into the late hours. I'm going to and a tweet that, that and a tweet that uh, you'll send out that say Kofi Coburn has nine dunks and it's not even four minutes till halftime at all. I'll hit you up and send you a link to this podcast. Okay. All right. All right. Anything else we need to cover, Scott? I feel we ended on a positive. We talked about yeah, hey, basketball. talked about basketball. Hey, maybe next week when we come back, you know, maybe we're talking about a three and five Illinois team that you know upset the seventh ranked team in the country. Or we'll be talking about the basketball exhibition against <laughs> Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Hey, expect some more backup offensive line talk maybe next week as well. All right, that wraps up episode thirty-eight of Inside the Line of Football. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.